It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is the Locked On Auburn Podcast, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast, presented by Fetch Me Delivery. I want to give a shout out to our friends at Fetch Me real quick. They are run by an alum of Auburn and have the greatest variety of restaurants to order from and get your meal delivered in Auburn and Opelika. If you are looking to have your family meal delivered in less than 40 minutes, you need to go to Fetch Me. Fetch Me has a great selection of anything you want, including meals as well as groceries and coffee. And Fetch Me has the friendliest and fastest service in town. Fetch Me is the best in the business. Go check out Fetch Me at FetchMeDelivery.com. Also use their app. Fetch Me. It is free in your phone's app store. Use promo code FetchMe20 to get your first delivery free. That's FetchMe20. No spaces. FetchMe20 to get your first delivery free. Joining me today, Michael Pappas and Painter Sharpless of ESPN 1067. Painter, good morning. How are you? I'm well. Michael Pappas? I'm great. Sweet. Living the dream. I love it. I love it. Yeah, a lot of positive uh, response to the show yesterday. El Toro Freeman, I know you guys chatted with him on the lunch break mm-hmm. yesterday. A lot of energy. I, I think that's the only way to describe it. <laughs> I mean, just a crazy amount of, of energy. And uh, I asked him yesterday, I'm like, you ever turn off or are you always like this? He's like, man, I'm always like this. I'm like, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, it's nice to talk to someone, too, who was a part of a team that had a ton of success, could be perhaps the most well-liked team maybe it's that 13 team but any you know i mean winning a national title and having cam newton and nick fairley and he was on a team that didn't have as much success so i think the perspectives of the two years contrasting are interesting we were going to chat on today's show with john luke mccord of the northeast mississippi daily he's having a crazy morning this morning so we're going to chat with him tomorrow but yeah i wanted to start off today talking about a little basketball auburn basketball Started practice yesterday. I believe Bruce Pearl is actually chatting with the media sometime this afternoon. He is. Is that, is that right? Okay, cool. Yes. Uh, like 2 o'clock or 2.30, something after, like that? Just after, yep. Just after 2. And so uh, that's exciting. I know I know the, the athletic department or Auburn basketball, they posted a, a video of very brief of Bruce um, Bruce coaching and then I think uh, Cambridge, one of the, the newcomers, uh, throwing it down. So a lot of excitement, a lot of unknowns, but... Uh, saw this this morning. Bryce Brown signs uh, a pro contract mm-hmm. with the Celtics, uh, an Exhibit 10 contract with uh, with the Celtics. So that is cool, and they'll be in the NBA G League affiliate for the Celtics, the uh, the main Red Claws, which is an awesome team name. And he'll probably get to play with uh, Taco Fall a little bit. So That's a really big guy, right? Yes, mm-hmm. from UCF. He's like eight uh, feet tall. I want to <laughs> say he also Almost. is on uh, – he's on some sort of – uh, deal with the Celtics, but uh, I, I I would presume it's two-way because, you know, he's gigantic, but I don't know how good he is at basketball. Yeah, that size is useful, though, you would think. But, yeah, Auburn basketball already uh, kind of getting some excitement. It's so funny, though, people tweeting during the first half of the Auburn-Oregon game a few weeks ago, everyone's like, all right, so when has basketball started? Then obviously they came back to win, and football has pretty much been all positive since then. But So it, it may tamper the... Uh, the excitement for Auburn basketball just a little bit, but uh, still, I think uh, I think Auburn Arena is going to be crazy this year. And I think the other thing to keep in mind here is that Chuma Okiki, Bryce Brown, and Jared Harper 
are beginning to, or at least another big extension of a changing perception and a changing landscape for what Auburn basketball can be. Yeah. What it has been for the majority of its existence has been underwhelming, boring, an apathetic fan base. That's changed since Bruce Pearl came here, but the energy changed for a few years. You didn't have the results, the winning, the positive feelings that came along with it. Then there was the concern about how long Bruce Pearl might be here because college basketball has had such an upheaval, or at least there has been some controversy. Uh, Kansas, most notably, very recently swept up in even more of that, citing a lack of institutional control. It seems like Auburn is not going to have any major issues like that, but um, it should be noted that Jared Harper now at the Suns, Chuma Okiki, of course, at the Magic, and as you just mentioned, Bryce Brown with the Celtics. Mm -hmm. Auburn has players either in a professional organization or vying for a spot on one of their main rosters. That's incredible. Think about how silly that phrase sounds initially because Auburn hasn't had something like that. I mean, they've had two incredible basketball players in Chuck Person and Charles Barkley in their history. It's kind of weird that they've had those two really celebrated players. <laughs> sure. But then outside of that, like, there hasn't just been much consistency. I mean, Marquise Dan Daniels was a journeyman. He's back as a coach now. It, I think this is a wonderful sign for Auburn and something Bruce Pearl can point to that's tangible when he's talking to fans and when he's selling to recruits. So you almost got a dog this past weekend. <laughs> and uh, the, the leader in the clubhouse right now, as far as what your eventual dog that you will get in sometime in the next few months his or her name will probably have something to do with Chumo Kiki. Yeah, we've, right? we've been thinking for about a year about getting a dog, and we liked for a, a, a girl dog, a woman dog, a female dog, whatever. Sure. To be shortened to Kiki for Chumo Kiki. And I guess if it were a boy, we might just roll with, with Chuma. I love both of that. I, I mean, that is incredible. I wonder how people, like, like if Chuma heard that, would he be like, oh, that's weird. Why'd you name your dog after me? Or would it be flattering? Like, would you think, that's kind of odd, dude. Or would you be like, that's cool, thanks. I think it'd be awesome. I think I would be flattered. Totally. I think I would. I don't want it to be an insult to him. It's supposed to be a compliment. Plus, I think it's a cool name. It's a so, super cool name. Auburn uh, missed out on that five-star center, right, who went to North Carolina. Okay. Are you talking about Walker Kessler? Yeah. So uh, just in the interest of full transparency – uh, all over Twitter when that when the guy committed or whatever, everyone just kept saying that it was a center who picked North Carolina over like Auburn and Duke or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, well, what a weird thing, by the way. The three <laughs> schools were Duke, North Carolina, and Auburn. But well, please see, continue. I also <laughs> thought it was weird, but because I thought he was a football recruit. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, you could see that. Like you could see how it'd be like player from Georgia. Huh, okay. Like he must well, just really want a good education. <laughs> Everything just said five-star center. Auburn really wanted this guy. So it and could I was go like, either way. Yeah, with, like, with centers and guards, it's like, I guess it could be. I was like, either. oh, man, that would have been huge for the football program to get like a really good center. It's like, yeah, they, the yeah. basketball team would like having a seven-foot, 245-pounder that's got a family that's played college basketball. He's got good pedigree. Oh, and he can shoot the deep ball. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I'm not surprised he went. I actually thought it was more likely he would go to Duke than North Carolina. Because a lot of what I'd seen was Duke and Auburn had, you know, had some success down the stretch, or at least trying to get that visit. The last couple of visits, sure, it would have been huge for Auburn. But yeah. I think they're they're still doing just fine. Then Sharif Cooper is uh, is the main highlight. Oh yeah, yeah one hundred percent.
It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. All right, so uh, something I want to talk about today. Derek Brown is getting more and more awards throughout the season mm-hmm. as it goes on. And I talked about this a little bit with El Toro, but you know, he, he was defensive player or defensive lineman of the week. Uh, I guess somebody else had to win it other than Marlon Davidson at some point. But then yesterday he was named to the uh, uh, a national award, the Bednarik Award, National Player of the Week. The Maxwell Football Club announced that yesterday. And my question to you guys, and Painter, I'm, I'm specifically curious to get your answer on this because I know you're really high on Nick Fairley and obviously what he did in this 2010 uh, for Auburn on, uh, on the 2010 team. But who do you think's had a bigger impact between Derek Brown or Nick Fairley? And I mean. When when Derek Brown is done, who do you think will have a uh, a bigger legacy at Auburn? I think Derek Brown, in part because of the longevity of his career, will likely be remembered more fondly. Now I don't know if he'll win the Lombardi Trophy, and that's such a a huge deal with how you're going to be remembered being yeah. considered that good of a player. It's a defensive Heisman essentially. But also, I think if you pay attention to Derek Brown closely, you know that he's been a leader in a lot of different ways and a guy that's had a very professional mindset. And that may have been the case with Nick as well. In fact, I imagine it was when El Toro came on the lunch break. He talked about Nick and Cam's work ethic. And so they didn't get that good by accident. But Derek's had, I think, a big effect on his teammates and the way he leads. I think also one thing that works for Nick in a weird way is that he was so clearly better than everyone else on the defensive line. There were some other really good pieces who had experience on that team. But Auburn has multiple NFL players on its defensive front now. And some guys who could be taken, not just NFL players, but some guys who could also be taken high in the draft. Yeah, That wasn't necessarily the case with Nick Fairley. So I think he stood out a little bit more in that year where he really shined. Whereas Derek Brown has consistently been not only a leader, but a force on that line. To answer your question, that's a long way of saying, I think when you're on a, on a team and a program for four years and you're doing what he's doing, it gives you a little bit of a leg up just because people have known who you are for now for almost a half decade. Yeah. I, I think what Fairley did was harder though, because he didn't have other guys like Marlon, other guys like big cat. I mean, he, he had, he got a lot players, of attention, but yeah, I mean, he was, he was the, the focus of the game plan. I think different offenses that are preparing for Auburn's defense, they may say, okay, we want to, we want to focus on Marlin or we want to focus on, you know, limiting the pass rush or, you know, quick passes because of, you know, Nick Coe getting off the line. But when you played Auburn in 2010, it was, okay, we've got to stop Nick Fairley. We've got to limit him. And no one really figured out how to do it. I, I, I think, I mean, I, I think if most Auburn fans had a button they could push to switch Derek Brown with Nick Fairley, I think most of them would push it. See, I'd, I'd, see where you're coming from I, I don't know if I agree with that I think that Derek, really yeah but I, I can understand I mean the guy was so dominant he won that award and it was pretty clear that he was 
I mean, they had some nice pieces on that defense, but like it was hands down that guy was the best. I don't think you could say the same thing about Derek Brown. Like he's a perhaps a top five draft pick. There's not many other guys on that defense that are going to be as talented as him. But I uh, I like the longevity of his career. I think that matters to me. Being there for four years, being a leader, being a guy that other people often cite as sort of the guy that they modeled their work ethic after. Yeah. That that to me matters. Yeah, Painter, I think you just nailed it. Derek Brown's going to be. It looks like at worst a top ten pick. Sure, and you know I know Nick Fairley went in the first round, but I think he was thirteenth. Those are sounds right. So if Derek can sneak into the top ten or the top five, I mean that's going to be a a, a a legacy that is going to be tough for for really anyone to compete with when they come to Auburn. And I don't think you should diminish what Derek Brown does because he's on a better defense. Like, yes, Nick Fairley was like that whole defense, but, you know, it's not Derek's fault that uh, the the players are just better around him. Mm-hmm. And, and I think he, like Painter said, can be credited with some of that. I mean, he, I'm sure he helped bring him in, and, and I'm sure he, he was a, a big part in changing that defensive culture from a, a rather lackadaisical bunch I don't know if lackadaisical is the right word, a not great bunch four years ago to, uh, you know, what looks like one of the best units in the SEC, the definitely the better half of the football team right now. Now, yeah. one thing I think to your point, Zach, is that he won a, he helped win a national title, and that's always going to matter to Auburn fans. He was the 13th pick in round one yeah. in 2011. To the Lions. So, yeah, that's uh, – I mean, I agree with you. I think Derrick Brown's a great player, and I'm not dissing him at all. Just right, with right. what Nick Fairley did, you know, in that year was incredible, but – Derek Brown, I mean, I mean, you, both of you guys said it, but I mean, his, his four years at Auburn were were definitely important, and the way that the culture has changed defensively has been huge. But I mean, even before he stepped foot officially as an Auburn Tiger on National Signing Day that year, I mean, I remember that's one of those where I I remember where I was when that happened, and you know, he he, he announced on National Signing Day and. I recorded Coach Dye's show earlier that day, and he asked what I thought about. He's like, "What do you think about uh, that the the Brown kid from Georgia?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I, I think Derek's. Uh, I think he's going to pick Georgia." And he's like, "I don't." I'm like, "Okay, well, cool. I'm, I appreciate you asking me, Coach." And he's like, "No, make sure you're watching. He's he's going to pick Auburn." I'm like, "Okay, cool." And so normally when he says something like that, I believe them. And so yeah, a top ten recruiting pick, and sometimes that doesn't mean a lot. Auburn's had even higher picks that didn't, yeah. or but, not picks, but, but recruits that didn't like, pan out. But he it, did. It, it meant so much though that Auburn were, was able to go in and get the top player in Georgia. Yeah, I mean, he that's, didn't go that, to the that's what I'm trying to get to. Absolutely. Is, and as far as Malzahn, you know, winning that recruiting battle. And they've had a lot more success in Georgia since then. I mean, I think that really started something. And there's something about the the, the Georgia kids that they get. They uh, it's important when it comes to uh, the Deep South Oldest rivalry later in the year. They uh, they like to they don't like losing to Georgia for sure. And I think Auburn people want those kind of kids on on, on campus for sure. I remember where I was when uh, Byron Cow Byron wait, Byron, Byron Cowart. Cowart. I don't know why I can't speak today. Uh, when he signed, so he was the what the number one recruit in the country, right? According to ESPN, I mean, he was a little bit farther down on on all the main ones, but yeah, yeah, Auburn ran with his ESPN ranking, and so he was at the top. And I don't know, that's still bizarre to me. I was at the Wellness Center. How about that? Did people go crazy? Yeah, people were very happy. Sweet. It's funny how you can be in public and other people like realize because you everyone's connected through social media. 
So if you see a bunch of people and people probably at the student rec are seemingly people who might be interested in keeping up with athletics in some form. Well, that's the health and wellness center. I was at the wellness center, which is just like where you eat. Oh, well, there's so, a lot of athletes there too. Yeah, I was about to say it was it's, <laughs> athletes got to eat, man. It's like a ton of athletes, and and they have all the football or all the television screens turned mm. to, to National Signing Day, and yeah, I think Zach's right. Getting that player not only to play for your team, but it's also a win because he's not on Georgia's team. Yeah. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months, or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. All right, so looking uh, looking ahead to this Saturday's matchup against Mississippi State, I mean, I've kind of said my spiel, and I, I know you guys have too, but, I mean, it really does seem like the general consensus is that Auburn is going to run Mississippi State out of the building. I, I haven't seen really anyone with any sort of credibility make the argument that Mississippi State has a chance on Saturday. I'm less hesitant. You know, I think I was a little more gun-shy than you were, not because Auburn is – Clearly, I mean, they are the more talented team. They have more experience yeah. this year. There really isn't a position group where I go, yeah, give me Mississippi State's unit over Auburn's. The only thing I could think of was you just played a, a tough one last week on the road. Could there at all be some sort of hangover where you come out maybe sloppy or not as aggressive as you need to? And I think in one of the more lively press conferences I can remember yesterday with Gus Malzon, it seemed like this loss last year stuck with them. And it should. Last year was embarrassing. They got pushed around defensively. That didn't happen a whole lot last year. Even, you know, I, I know we've talked about how some of that was because they were on the field so much. They got bullied, though. But they did get bullied yeah. defensively. And then offensively, you know, the Tennessee game was bad as well. But the, you could make an argument about which was worse. But I think that the state game was probably the worst team performance they had all year last year. Because I think you can, you know, I've I've been of Tennessee. I've been more of well, so I've been more of a Stidham defender than most over the last year and a half. Right, and I think while Auburn had as a team had a lot to blame, Jarrett Stidham had perhaps the worst game of his career against Tennessee. He turned the ball over twice to the air and fumbled the ball deep in Auburn territory that led to six points for Tennessee. Now the defense couldn't get off the field in that Tennessee game on third down, um, but. Darren Tano had the game of his life. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, there was nothing that Mississippi State was doing last year that was complex. They were just shoving the ball down Auburn's Didn't throat, and then Auburn offensively looked inept. Didn't they run the ball like 70 times last season? It was something crazy. I mean, it seemed like every play, because they couldn't pass it. I mean, Fitzgerald, and, I mean, he did not have an arm that was good at throwing a football. But, yeah, I mean, they played Auburn's game. They said, hey, we are going to push you around. And you're not going to be able to do anything about it, even if you know it's coming. And you could tell it frustrated them. I mean, it was a mm-hmm. it was a big deal. And I kind of I don't know. I, I didn't really think about that aspect of that going into that game this year. But with it being at home, with you being the better team, I think they were the better team last year. They just didn't show up against uh, against the Bulldogs in Stark Vegas. But I mean, they I I just got. It, it could get ugly. Like it, this could be like a thirty-five to three kind of game. It sh- I think Auburn's goal should be to go in there after because Michael, you pointed this out on the lunch break yesterday. What would it take 
for Auburn to be thrust into that tier with Alabama, Georgia, and LSU, however you want to rank that dynamic. And I don't think a win against Mississippi State's going to do it, but what could help is going in and beating them like a drum, you know, 42-6, to six and going, by the way, the teams we should beat, we will be beating this year. We're not going to mess around. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Uh, everything that you guys just said uh, I think is uh, definitely correct, except save for – Painter, if there's one position group on Mississippi State that you, that you'd think you'd take over Auburn's, I think it's running back. Uh, I don't know a whole lot about the depth of Mississippi State at running back, but Kylan Hill is one of the. I mean, he's one of the best running backs in the country, much less the uh, the SEC. Yeah, and and he's running like it right now. So I don't know how deep they are. I know Auburn can boast that it goes. Four, four deep at running back or, or whatever it is. and so He leads the conference right now, Kylan Hill, Mississippi State's running back. He has 91 attempts for 551 yards. That's just over six a touch. That's good. How did he do against Kentucky? And Booby Whitlow has 82 for 408. He's second. So Booby Whitlow right behind him. And to Michael's point, he is probably sharing attempts. I will look that up. I don't know how he did. Also, I just want to point out last year, Auburn was 3 of 14 on third down. Mississippi State was seven on third down. Mississippi State was seven of 17. Mississippi State had 418 total yards. 349 of those came on the ground. Holy cow. Against an Auburn defense that is known for stopping the run. I mean, that was just, I don't know. That game was not a good outing for Auburn. And that's kind of the the any given Saturday. It can happen. Mm -hmm. But I agree with you, Michael. I think as far as A&M, they do have better running backs in Auburn, but as far as the matchup that the running back goes up against, I just I don't know if that's relevant as far as the outcome of this game. You know what I mean? And, and I just think up front, Mississippi State has not been impressive to me. I think this Auburn offensive line is going to be able to handle them, and I think it could work good for them as far as taking those baby steps to get better and better each and every week. I agree with you. Um, and as long as we're you know, talking about this, if we want to run through some other things, some other statistics that I, I, I think I sent you, Zach, about Auburn this season. Because while there's always room for improvement, every coach, every team will tell you that they can always get better. Auburn has played very well this season. And I've got some numbers to back it up. Okay. Oregon has not allowed a touchdown in three consecutive games. Who have they played? They beat Stanford 21 to 6 on Saturday. Uh, they beat Montana 35 to 3, and then they beat Nevada 77 to 6. Um, How about that? I don't really care who you are. Not letting up a touchdown in three straight games is incredibly That impressive. says something. Yeah. Also, to uh, answer your question, 241 rush yards for State against Kentucky this past week. I will try to find Hill's individual numbers. In fact, I have them in front of me. He was not the leading rusher, he had the most carries for 120. Schrader had 11 for 125 and a long of 49. Okay. That's the quarterback. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I just have a hard time buying that they're going to run on Auburn like that this year. All and right, what other numbers you got, Michael? Kent State put up 750 yards in a 62-20 to 20 win against Bowling Green, the most by anyone against an FBS team this year. They averaged nine yards a play. They uh, rushed and passed for 375 yards exactly. I think the good news for Auburn at this point is that they have played two for sure quality opponents, a formidable Tulane team, and Kent State, not very good. But I think 
a stat like that against another not very good team. I don't know what it's relative to. I have no idea how good or bad Bowling Green is. It sounds like they're not particularly good. Yeah, That's still, just like he pointed out with the Oregon statistic, regardless of who you're playing to some extent, that those numbers are impressive. I, I think there's really no other SEC team I can think of that has a mixture of opponents you should beat that are at least formidable and then two real, I mean, in terms of quality wins, Auburn's got the two best in the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just like that that last one about Kent State because it's it, to me that says like when Kent State is playing teams that are probably you know rather equal to their skill level. Yeah, they're capable of going out and putting up 750 yards of total offense and scoring 62 points. And when they came to Auburn, they looked like that they forgot how to play offense. Well, at times, I mean, they were able to move the ball at times against Auburn. Especially that first drive, Auburn had some poor tackling and couldn't get off the field on third down, and there was a busted coverage play right. later in the half. And They had a few plays I, against I, Auburn. I don't want, they didn't look inept. I don't want to pump up Kent State and Tulane, in part because I want to also remind everyone that that Tulane game, Auburn played badly. Like, mm-hmm. they didn't execute well. Uh, the, the opponent wasn't garbage. And Auburn ran a very base offensive stuff, but it was like also, yeah, you need to be better against this team. Right. And you saw some of that the next week against Kent State. Do you have any other stats? Yes, a few. Sweet. We've, we on this show and we as an Auburn community uh, have been incredibly hard on the offensive line and the interior offensive line in particular. Uh, this is a stat from Pro Football Focus. Most pass-blocking snaps without a pressure allowed by FBS guards. And Marquell Harrell from Auburn, the left guard, is third with 113 pass-blocking snaps without a pressure allowed. Since that stretch down in the second half for the last quarter of the season, he has been a good player. I think he was battling injuries a decent part of last season. But Tega, him, and... For the most part, Driscoll also have all have all been good, in particular in pass blocking. And and I don't think Caleb Kim is as bad as some people think. I definitely think he's gotten better. I mean, my biggest issue is with Horton. Uh, Horton's inconsistencies. I mean, I think and I don't think it's any secret. I mean, if you go back and kind of watch, all right, where's the pressure coming from? The issue is 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 right in the quarterback's face. I mean, that's yeah. that's that's the bottom line. It's like that is not where you want pressure from. I know there's all this talk about. The left tackle, but I mean, it, it, as long as you get in the guy's way as a quarterback, you can step up and you know, kind of move the pocket one way or the other if you need to, and or just step up into it. But when a guy's coming straight at your face, you can't step into a throw. You can't really move anywhere because he's got a running start at you, and he's in the SEC. All these guys are going to be athletic, so that definitely creates an issue for sure. Thus far, I think the coaching staff has done a good job of putting Bo Nix in good spots. Yes. And I think he, in turn, has been more mature with his decision-making. His stat numbers, his stat line has been average to underwhelming in almost every game. And that's okay. They're 4-0 and he's a freshman quarterback. What he's really not doing a lot of, and this needs to continue, if they're going to keep winning in these tough games, he can't turn the ball over Mm -hmm. and he can't take a lot of sacks. And he's... Mobile enough to get away from pressure, and, and then he's done a good job of throwing the ball away. Yeah, in my GIF thread earlier this week, I, I said, you know, hey, this is my second favorite play from Bo Nix, and he just gets out. He, he realizes the screen wasn't there to Whitlow. He looks to his left. He looks upfield, sees guys running. He uses athleticism to roll out of the pocket and gets rid of the football. Like, that's 
That's a that's a move you don't see a lot of freshmen doing. You, I, I think you got one more stat. Don't I you? do have one more stat. This one is about Zach's favorite player and also a guy we talked about a little bit earlier. Uh, Jatarvius Booby Whitlow is currently tied for sixth in most missed tackles forced for SBS running FBS running backs. Uh, he's got 23 on the season. He's tied with Jordan Mason, Christopher Brown, and AJ Dillon. I don't expect a lot of people to know who those guys are. When um, you uh, when you sent me that, I was really surprised by it. I was really surprised by it. And I mean, you mentioned Painter; he's second in the league right now in in rushing yards. I mean, Booby Whitlow's had a a solid start to the season, and so we'll uh, we'll, we'll see we'll see what Malzahn keeps doing with him. I hope. I hope he can stay healthy. And, you know, Michael, you pointed this out on a show earlier this week about what Malzahn did from a game plan standpoint as far as saving his touches for the second half. Mm -hmm. I hope that becomes a trend throughout SEC play because he, for some reason, and I think the reason is because the defense is worn down, but he's been better, significantly better, in the second half of every game that Auburn's played this year. Uh, I think that that also goes hand-in-hand with the offensive line. I was was, uh, listening to something else and one of the NFL analytics guys Warren Sharp he said that one of the most difficult things that they have to or that that, that like they deal with in the analytics community is determining whether an offensive line is good or a running back is good mm-hmm. because a running back can make a mediocre not mediocre a like medium offensive line average, average offensive line look good and a great offensive line can make a bad running back look good and so he he said that that is uh something that really goes hand in hand but it is worth noting kylan hill tied for third most missed tackles forced he has 24 on the season so he's he's one up on on good old jatarvius Right yeah. now, yeah. So we'll we'll see how he does against that Auburn defensive line. As far as figuring out, is it a Mississippi State offensive line thing, or is it a Mississippi State running back thing? Painter Sharpless, where can people find you and hear you throughout all of your channels? Eleven to one, catch the lunch break. Justin Ferguson and me, Michael Pappas, helping us out on Tuesdays and Fridays. Dan Peck making an appearance next Friday before the Florida game. How about that? And you can follow me on Twitter at Paint Sharpless. As always, appreciate it. Michael, you can follow me on Twitter at CouchPapTato, and then you can listen to me on After the Game Live from Skybar for two hours after every Auburn football game with Dan Peck uh, on ESPN 106.7 and the other places, the the website and the app. And then you can uh, hear me on the SEC Report on Thursdays from 7 to 9 p.m., same places, and like Painter said, the lunch break. Fantastic. I'm on Twitter at Z Blackerby. The show is on Twitter at Locked On Auburn. Leave us a review on iTunes. Helps us out a ton. It takes two seconds. This has been another edition of the Locked On Auburn Podcast. It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.